Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sunday morning and we thank you for your blessings upon us that we can assemble together in your name. Lord, we can sing these grand hymns and today we ask that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to move in the midst of our congregation, to work in individual hearts and corporately together, that we may offer a sacrifice of praise and worship to God that is acceptable in your sight. And Lord, that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to minister to us your word, that you would open our understanding to be able to grasp how great and how loving you are. We ask, Lord, that we would leave this place with a greater vision of how good you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we'll have the children dismissed to the children's church and the rest of us. Let's take our Bibles and turn to First Peter chapter 2. And, and I want us to read our verses for this year and uh, to think about these things. Uh, there, there are some things that we need as a church. Uh, we just celebrated 25 years, and that's, that's something to praise the Lord about. That is a mile marker. Uh, we can no longer claim to be a new church. Or a young church, uh, we're, we have responsibilities, we have things that we are trying to do. The Lord has allowed us to see other churches started and established out of this church. And uh, just next Wednesday, uh, February 14th, Valentine's Day, Cornerstone Bible Baptist Church is going to celebrate its 10th anniversary. And uh, that is an amazing thing. Now, the building's been there since 1857, I think, or 47, something like that. Uh, there's been about six or eight different churches that met in that building. But how many of you remember, uh, it was February of 2008 when Brother Hiram Davis brought his family down and uh, we baptized uh, one fella and the rest of them joined the church and we had a commissioning service for the Cornerstone Bible Baptist Church. It's it's important how you start. You know, I've had uh, people over the years uh, say, well, well, listen, um, uh, that, that whole thing about baptism is, uh, baptism, a baptismal certificate is just a piece of paper. Well, yeah, it is. But let me tell you something. There's authority behind that piece of paper. And, and that's why we're careful. Someone comes and they say, I want to join Open Door Bible Baptist Church. And let me tell you something, we want people to become members of the church. Amen? Uh, uh, we, we want people to join, but there are responsibilities to be a member of this church. It's not just coming and sitting in a pew. And how many of you enjoyed that song service this morning? I mean, that, that was just something special. I mean, the Lord does that sometimes and and. And you know why? Because everybody was singing. As I'm looking out, I, I don't see anybody just standing there going. I mean, it happens sometimes. But when, when you really start singing those songs, the Holy Spirit's doing something. 
There's a message there. There's, and, and if you missed it, I'm sorry. Uh, there's an altar here. You can try to get right with God. And maybe next Sunday you can come back and enjoy it. But I'll, I'll tell you what, the, the songs, uh, I'll tell you, I never fail to get blessed from There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. Amen. Just want to sing that song until I don't have a voice left. And one of these days, we'll be able to do that and never get hoarse in heaven. Amen? And it takes work and responsibility. There's authority in this book called the Bible. Now, sometimes when we get to the preaching, okay, I just got to sit and listen. But let me ask you a question. Or let me phrase it this way. Real listening takes work. Would we say amen to that? If if you want to, you can just sit there and all of the words will go in one side and out the other, even though I know there's a blockage in between. Uh, it, It just, the words, you hear them all, but you don't process them. Now, Thursday night, we spent the night studying the word knowledge. And true Bible knowledge is always connected to action, to behavior. If you ever sever that tie between knowledge and behavior, what you do is you enter the world, uh, the proper term is sophistry. And what that simply means is you talk about a lot of things that you don't do. Uh, I guess a modern day word equivalent would be politics. Uh, politicians talk about everything, but they never do anything. And if they do anything, it's usually not helpful to the people that they claim to help. Uh, isn't that a good definition of politics? And we need to pray. It didn't always wasn't always that way in the United States, but it sure has become that way. But as a church, we have responsibilities. There's some things that God wants to do in individual lives so that corporately we as a church can function the way that we're supposed to. And that's what these theme verses are. We've come a long way here. But God's not through with us. Aren't you glad about that? I mean, in the world, this is the standard way things work in the world. You get promoted to the level of incompetency. How many of you know how that works? Is you get a job and you do a great job. And you do good. And the boss likes your work. And so what's he do? He moves you up a step. And you like the better pay and you like the more challenging work and you do a great job and everybody's happy and the boss moves you up another level and all of a sudden you find that you don't like this kind of work so much. And your boss is like, you didn't do as good a job as you used to. And you just kind of get stuck there. You're not as happy as you used to be. The work isn't as good as you used to be. It's not fun anymore. Uh, In fact, you're not doing as good a job as you used to. Now, in the old days, there was a thing called loyalty that your boss just might keep you on. 
Now, today, you get laid off. And then you have to go try to find something else and start all over again. And you work up to that same level. And you get fired. And, and, and people just live on a roller coaster. You know, there's a lot of people in the Christian realm that do the same thing. They get a hold of Jesus, and that's exciting. And then they start realizing the battles and the struggles and responsibilities, and it's not so much fun anymore, and they just kind of go... And then their life falls apart. They realize that things were better with Jesus, so they come back. And they start working up again. And then it gets hard, and they quit. You know, God doesn't want us to live that way. Can we say amen to that? God wants us to move forward for Him. And there's a lot of churches that will get to a point, and they'll just, right there. Now, if there's anything I've prayed for Open Door Bible Baptist Church since day one, is that we never stay there. That we keep moving for the Lord. That's our theme this year. And so, Second Peter chapter 2, I hope you had enough time to get there. Uh, let's look at all of verse 5. Part of it's printed on our banner up here. I hope you will take time to memorize the entire verse, not just the part that's on the banner. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Tell you what, I, I believe our song service was acceptable this morning. The Lord I certainly gave witness in my heart, I hope was in yours as well, that He accepted our singing. That, that only happens on purpose. And I'm so glad that God brought Andrew back to our church to really put some time and effort. There's only so much time in a week. And it takes a lot of work to put a song service together. And, and I'll tell you, we, we need to understand that we are here to offer up a spiritual sacrifice. What is a spiritual sacrifice? Well, that means nobody gets killed. Amen? Uh, in the Old Testament, every time they had a sacrifice, something died. A lamb, doves... Uh, 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 goats, baby goats, oxen, bullocks, all kinds of animals died. God says He wants a living sacrifice, a spiritual sacrifice. So it's okay to sing till you get a little hoarse. It'll strengthen your vocal cords. Amen? Uh, it's okay to, to allow the music to move you. It's okay to weep a little bit as long as you keep singing. Amen? And, and bring that forth as a spiritual sacrifice. And singing's not the only thing. 
It takes work to listen, and I pray that you will listen, because this morning's sermon is not going to be understood if you don't actively and prayerfully and strenuously, is the adjective I was looking for, listen. Now let's go to Colossians chapter 2 and look at our other verse. The book of Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. If you got the Hebrews, you're way too far. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 7. Colossians chapter 2 says, Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Rooted and built up in Him. The first verse was lively or living stones or were built together, were put together by the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to turn to the passage we're looking at today. Just two books back, the book of Ephesians in chapter 3. And this is a prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians church. And we will, I hope you will covenant together with me that you would agree with me that we would ask God to do these same things for the open door Bible Baptist Church. Now, I'm going to just go ahead a little bit and, and we want to just... Look at verse 17 first, and then we'll go back and get the context in the entire thing. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, <coughs> that ye, being rooted and grounded in love. So, this is the reason we've come to this passage. Because that word rooted is here. Eight times in the Bible, the word rooted is used. Six of them are in a negative sense, as rooted out. Two of them are positive. One is our theme verse, and the other is here in Ephesians chapter 3. And the word rooted simply means dealing with the roots. It's making them grow, or in the obverse digging down into the soil and removing even the roots. Uh, you don't have to be very familiar with your Bible. You run into the olive tree. The olive tree is a very unusual tree. There are olive trees in the city of Jerusalem today that were living when Jesus walked its streets. It's an amazing thing. Now, a normal tree doesn't live that long because bugs and rot and disease. But what happens with the olive tree is it's got an incredible root system. And that original trunk may actually rot the whole way through and it will send up another plant. Right in its place. Sometimes right through the old trunk will come a new tree that will produce new olives. And, and, and the olive tree is one of the oldest tree, old, longest living things on our planet. It's an amazing tree. 
Uh, how many of you have ever tried to keep a garden of any kind? Just either flowers or, or, or vegetables. What's your number one problem? Weeds. Now, I remember as a little boy going out, and I would just pull the weed, and my dad said, No, that's not the way you do it. He said, All you got was the top. He said, I want you to... And then he would make me put my finger in the ground and, and work it up, and man, that root would be... Why? Because I had been there five times, and I just plucked the top off. I left the roots in the ground, and the roots kept growing. And so now there's this great big root with this little tiny weed on top. And what happens is it gets intertwined with the plants. And then when you get rid of the weed, you kill what you're growing. Or at least stunt it. You see, roots are important, are they not? It says we're to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Oh, I just want to be rooted in love. Yes, love, love, love. How many remember that silly song from the 70s? What the world needs more is love, sweet love. I think the next phrase was, it's the only thing, something we don't have enough of, or some, some great wordsmithing capability there. And... Uh, The word love is really, I, I would have to say, as a pastor, the most abused, misused, and misunderstood word in the English language. Often parents will say to children, I love you, and the next minute is, what are we having for dinner? Pizza. Oh, I love pizza. Have you ever thought about how actually insulting that really is? Do you love pizza the same way you love children or children? Do you love pizza the same way you love your parents? Now, a two-year-old might not be able to distinguish between the two, but we would hope by the time you're 45 uh, that there'd be more than one definition of that word in your life. Amen? Could we say amen to that? Are you with me? you got to listen close because we're going to dig into this prayer. And this is not a simple thing that, that Paul was praying for here. He was praying that God would bless and endow this church. But what I want you to do is tune in on this idea of rooted and grounded. You see... Everything that happens with a plant comes from the roots. Amen? And they talk about plants that don't have roots. But they do. That plant has to bring nutrition into itself. Moisture and nutrients somehow. And so... Um, Let's, let's just get back to verse 14, if we would. This is the beginning of the prayer here. Paul says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what is the cause? Well, the cause is, is uh, simply stated in, 
summarily stated in verse 13, Wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. Paul, Paul was going through some very difficult things. He, he uh, spent a lot of time in prison. He spent a lot of time in, in suffering and, and pain and, and things being in the ministry. Paul, uh, of all of the men in the Bible, we have more sufferings recorded of the Apostle Paul than of really any other of the apostles. I mean, he was beaten, he was, he was mobbed, he was stoned, uh, and he survived all of these things. He was shipwrecked three times, the Bible tells us. It's an amazing thing. We have the story of one of those in the Bible. And so, as Paul was going through these things, he's writing to the Ephesians, and he says, Now, Ephesians, I want you to understand something. All the difficulty in my life that I'm going through... It's for your sake. I don't want you to get so caught up in the suffering that you forget about what real Christianity is about. That's his prayer. And is it not easy for us to get caught up in things going on around us, all the turmoil and suffering in this world? And I've even heard people say, well, if God was really a God of love, why is there so much suffering in the world? That's an easy question to answer. It really is. It's called sin. Could you imagine what this world would be like if there was no suffering attached to sin? Could you imagine that? I think they made some stupid movie about it. Where your life is a video game, live, fight, die, repeat, or something like that. I, I just read a summary of it and I said, wow, how, how foolish, how, how utterly ignorant can we get? Life's not a video game, my friend. You don't get to repeat. You don't get to go online and find a hack so you can get new lives, because you only get one. Uh, most of you remember Brother Shaw, and he's going to be with us in April, uh, report on the work there in Brazil. And, and uh, remember one time we were working on the building, and he says, I believe God will keep you around as long as he wants. He said, but if you want some advice from an older preacher, he said, be careful what you do with your body, because you determine the amount of suffering you're going to endure until he takes you home. And uh, I said, wow, that, that's some wisdom there. Uh, I, I'm going to listen to that guy. And, and as we look through here, Paul is just simply praying. Because he doesn't want the Ephesian church to quit. Because of how difficult it can be at times to live the Christian life. And because of discouragement that happens and, and things that other people suffer He says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. That's Paul's first request. 
to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. The second request, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. The third, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, the next, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. The next request, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. How many of you got to play on words there? He said, I want you to know something that passes knowledge. I want you to know something that is unknowable. I want you to know something that is beyond. I want you to comprehend something that is beyond comprehension. Now, here's why. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you get that? That ye... He's talking about the church, but he's talking about individuals in the church. That ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, we're going to try to get back to all these things, but even Joe Olstein hasn't come up with one that good. Mr. Positive. Uh, I mean, he, he talks about your inner champion. I'm not talking about an inner champion. It says you, you, might be full, you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Do you get what Paul's praying for here? This isn't some Buddhist mantra that you could become a god. How many of you know the story of Buddha? He, he became a god. And the Buddhists, most of them, will recognize Jesus as a great teacher. And I remember reading in some book that one of the great Buddhas or whatever, uh, as there were actually many of them that attained unto levels, they would say, ah, Jesus attained to the second level of the mysteries, but Buddha to the eighth. Well, I guess that's a nice statement if you're a Buddhist. It's kind of like the Pope saying that he doesn't make any mistakes. Uh, all you got to do is pick up a history book and know that uh, that is so far from the truth that it's, if it weren't serious, it'd be laughable. But it's not laughable. It's serious. You see, the Bible goes above every. Religion in this world says that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Now, let's read on. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory where? Read those next three words. In the church, by Christ Jesus, throughout all ages, world without end, and all God's people said nice and loud. That's Paul's prayer. What a prayer. I mean, there's some things that we need to get a hold of here. You see, we need some things to happen in us. Paul is praying, 
He says, I bow my knees. You wonder why sometimes we say get on your knees and pray. Why we have an altar here. Well, that's how Paul prayed. He got on his knees. Why? Because it's a sign of humility. It's a sign of surrender. You don't get anywhere with God. I mean, our Sunday school lesson. What a great introduction to the sermon. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't humble himself. God had ways of humbling people. Amen? Somebody said, why didn't he humble Bel- give Bel- Belshazzar the same chance he gave his grandfather? He did. Belshazzar refused to listen. Therefore, he didn't get a second opportunity. You see, God gives us an opportunity to repent, to humble ourselves. Paul bowed his knees and he prayed and he says, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. If you're going to be saved today, you get saved the same way. Amen? Whether you're Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, no matter where you came from, whether you were a great sinner or whether you were a little child, you get saved exactly the same way. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all you have to do. And it needs to be said because we live in a day of confusion and non-linear thought that if you're going to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to stop believing in everything else. You've got to stop believing in the church. You've got to stop believing in yourself. You've got to stop believing in being good. You've got to stop believing in, in, in all of the foolishness that the world promotes. Yes, God is love, and we're going to get to that in a minute. Here's how much love God is. God came in Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. How could you get more loving than that? Now, when God has extended that kind of love to you and you refuse it, what is God able to do? If he says, oh, that's all right, he blasphemes the work of Jesus Christ. Are you with me on that? A lot of people don't want to take that step, but you've got to understand. If God does anything else with your sin than what Jesus Christ has already done with it, he blasphemes the work of his own son, his plan, and God will not, cannot, nor ever will do that. Can we say amen to that? The work of Jesus on the cross is sufficient for all sin, for all mankind. And it is the demonstration of the greatest love that we can begin to try to comprehend. When Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. The work is done. If you're going to get saved today, you've got to come through the cross. You've got to come through the finished work of Jesus Christ. And you will take his name, the name of Christian after Christ. Now, many people call themselves Christians, but as we follow this, You're going to have to understand. Jesus himself said there be many, many Christ, but there's only one. Now we come to verse 16 and we get the first request here. That he, talking about God, would grant you 
that God would give you, how? According to the riches of His glory. God's glory is unfathomable. It's beyond anything we can comprehend. In fact, if you remember the story of Moses, he asked to see God's glory, and God said, you can't see it. Because if you did, you go... Because God's glory is His holiness, and His holiness cannot abide sin. Not even one. So God said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you in a little hole here, and I'm going to put my hand over, and I'm going to walk past, and I'm just going to let you see my shadow. My back parts. See, that's really what the word glory means. It comes from the word shadow. And the riches of His glory is what gives us this thing that Paul is asking for. And this is to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Now, if you'll stop and think about that, this one part of this verse, this request of Paul, takes all of human psychology and all of the self-help books, and everything that man can do to help himself, and just destroys it. It pulls the foundation out from under it. It shows us such a superior way that these books are not even to be mentioned, or worthy to be even on our shelves. Years ago, I had to take, when I was in college, they made me take psychology classes, and They taught real psychology in those classes. And I remember sitting there as a student trying to figure out why I was in a Bible college preparing for the ministry, studying secular, deviant, wicked men who were trying to explain the mind of man. And the professor said, well... This is this, and it, but the bottom line was we were supposed to take the Bible and secular psychology and synthesize them, put them together, and you know what you get? Garbage. There were a few of us in the class that raised our hand and said, Why are you telling it? The Bible says all things that pertain unto life and godliness are given to us through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. I didn't raise my voice to the professor, honestly. I was very respectful. And his answer was, well, if you want to take that point of view, that is certainly understandable. I'm sitting here going, this is nuts! And then I met a few secular psychologists and I found out why it was nuts. Because they're all nuts. The most dysfunctional people I have ever met on this earth were psychologists who were trying to help other people be functional. Oh, wow. But that's the best the world has to offer. Do you get what happens here? Paul says, I am praying that according to the riches of God's glory, that He will strengthen you. How is He going to strengthen you? 
to be strengthened with might. Now, what is might? Great or transcendent power or strength. Mightiness. Now, somewhat rhetorical as an attribute of God. That's definition number three, according to the Oxford English Dictionary. I want to challenge you. Paul is not being rhetorical here. He is not being philosophical. He says, I am praying that you're strengthened with might. Now, might is the ability to do something. Amen? Might gets things done. And, of course, the world, every good thing, the world perverts. What do they say? Might makes right. The bully in school. You're going to give me your lunch money because I'm going to mash your face. Um, God's not a bully. Paul is praying that they would be strengthened with might, the ability to serve God. How do you walk that narrow road the Bible talks about? You have to be strengthened with might. Your flesh wants to do wrong. Is there anybody that wants to dispute that point? Well, how do we overcome the flesh? You must be strengthened with might. How do you get that strength? By His Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit living in you. It's the Holy Spirit of God that gives you the ability... Now, where is the Holy Spirit working? In the inner man. You know, everything you do, good, bad, it comes from down in here, doesn't it? Usually there's a process, something about like this. You start thinking about it up here. Then it just kind of filters its way down. Till it becomes a heart desire. And then there's nothing in this world that's going to stop you from doing it. Little kids grow up watching their parents smoke. Oh, I can't wait. And then they sneak one and get sicker than a dog. But, oh, that's cool. And they follow in those footsteps. Your children will love what you love. And they know what's the difference between words and reality. My favorite little story is the boy, uh, the father, the preacher was visiting, and the, the father's trying to be really spiritual, and he says, Son, go get the book Daddy Loves. We'll update the story. It used to be Sears and Roebuck catalog. Most of you don't even know what that is. So he brings out the Cabela's magazine. Amen. Everybody knows what that is. Sporting goods. And uh, that's... Listen. It says we need to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. God doesn't want to reform you on the outside. The reason people's fake Christianity fails is because it's simply an external attempt to please God. It doesn't work that way. You must be strengthened with might 
in the inner man. And that strength comes from the Holy Spirit of God. It changes who you are. This must happen to you. This is how you get saved. Can we say amen to that? And if you're going to live like you're saved, it's got to happen every day so that you can overcome who and what you are. Because it's not good. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, if you like grammatical terms and, and, and things, this is what we call an appositive. Paul is saying the same thing, just a little different way to give us an idea. To be strengthened by, with might by His Spirit in the inner man is actually that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. It's the same thing. The Holy Spirit of God strengthening you. Christ living in you by faith. The Spirit's job is to help you have an understanding of the written Word. These are talking about the same things. Here's the goal. That ye being rooted and grounded in love. See, you can't move forward in Paul's prayer until you are rooted and grounded in love. This is what it means to be strengthened by might, uh, with might, by His Spirit in the inner man. It is to be rooted and grounded in love. Now, this idea of being rooted is to have roots. How many of you have ever tried to pull a big weed? I remember years ago, we we just got in the building and we were trying to clean things up, and we had a tree in the back here growing out of a crack in the cement. It was unbelievable. Where in the and we went? I went out there to look at it one day and said, "We got to get rid of this dumb thing." It had a trunk on it that big around. It was coming up out of a crack in the concrete, and sitting there going, "This is insane!" And then I broke off a branch, and it just stunk. I mean, it was a weed in every sense of the word. And we hacked and sawed and cut that thing off to just this little tiny bit sticking out of the concrete and another thing comes right up. I said, ah, we're going to do something about this. And I got me out a drill with the longest bit I could get and I drilled right down in that root and then we poured some stuff in there. I'm not going to tell you what we did, but I mean we poured some stuff in there that would kill the roots And it wasn't long before it was all dried up and brittle. And we broke that thing off and put nice, beautiful concrete over top. It's the Italian in me. And uh, I'll tell you what, concrete's a whole lot better than grass any day. You never have to mow it. All you got to do is a little sweep and it's all done. It's a beautiful thing. Amen? Look at Rome. It's all concrete. Uh, The thing is, It never came back. Why? Because I got to the roots. God wants to get to the roots. He wants to strengthen you in the inner man in a positive way. 
And what that means is there's a lot of things that God's going to have to pull out of your life and unroot from your life because it's coming out of you. And it's not good. And God's going to separate those things. And He's going to do that in the inner man. If Christ is living inside of you, don't you think He's going to clean the place up before He moves in? Hello? Somebody said, I'm not hurting anybody by doing what I do. And I said, well, wait a minute. Where does the Holy Spirit of God live in the life of a Christian? Well, He lives inside of us. I said, so then let's just get real here for a minute. Every time you drink alcohol, you're pouring liquor down inside in front of the Holy Spirit of God. Is that a good thing? Every time you breathe in the smoke, you're blowing smoke in the face of the Holy Spirit of God. If He's living in you, if you're a Christian, could any person who really loves God do those things repeatedly? You say, well, I'm addicted. Well, God will strengthen you by might in the inner man and give you the victory over those things. You see, that's what Paul's praying for. That Christ may dwell in you, in your hearts, by faith. Faith is obedience to the Word of God. You see, this idea of being rooted in love means that everything that comes out of me is coming from Christ first. Why did it get so quiet? You want me to tell you why it got so quiet? Because every one of us in this auditorium needs massive amounts of improvement in this area. Could we say amen to that? I'm talking about myself as well. I'm not just I'm not preaching at you. This is something that has to happen in every one of our lives. If we're going to be the church that Jesus wants us to be, we've got to first be rooted and grounded. You see. Without good roots, tree can't grow. You know what happens in the city a lot of times? How many of you have ever seen some of them big, huge trees growing out of the sidewalks of our city? I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. Normally, you can always tell how big the tree is by how much movement is in the uh, flags of the sidewalk before you get to the tree. Uh, I'm sure we've all seen uneven sidewalk where it moves because that root has started lifting it up. And, and now we have machines. They're called stump grinders. Uh, they can come in and they can actually turn the entire root system of a tree to sawdust in a few minutes. How many of you have ever been so fortunate to be around one? I mean, it is deafening half a block away. I mean, that thing is like... It's worse than the street cutting machines. It just digs everything up and turns it all to sawdust. Well, what happens is some guy will say, look at my broken sidewalk. And he comes and he breaks up the, the uh, removes all the broken sidewalk. And then he gets a root grinder in there and he cuts everything down real smooth. And then he puts a new sidewalk off and the next storm, the tree falls over. You know what he did? Killed the roots. 
You see, the root system, why they have all those mudslides in California? Because no trees. That's what's supposed to hold the mountain together. Rooted. What are we supposed to be rooted in? Love. Now, let's get honest for a minute. How many of you can think of something you did this week that was not the result of God's love shown to you in your life? Come on, let's, let's, we're almost invitation time. Let's get honest here. You know what that means? That means you got roots sucking up something else. That's what it means. You've got other things being pulled into your life from another source. We are to be rooted in love. And by the way, I'm only halfway through this sermon. By, by the way, what does it mean to be rooted in love? 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for... God is love. You see, the struggle we face is being rooted in love. Is allowing those parts of our lives that draw things in, that make us who we are, that give us our strength, that give us what we need to go on. We are allowing other things to be drawn in. Our roots are going other places than being only in the love of God. Are we together on this? Now, how in the world do we solve this first problem? And I think we're just going to end here very quickly so we can not be here till 2 o'clock this afternoon. Remember that word rooted has a positive and a negative sense. It deals with the roots. We want the Holy Spirit of God to grow those roots into the love of God and seek out and clip or destroy or cut off all of those roots that are touching other things and drawing other things into our lives. Are we together on that picture? You see, if Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, what's going to happen? We will have to let go of some of the things of the world. We're going to have to let the Holy Spirit work in the inner man with the spiritual head trimmers and cut those things. And remove those roots. Because if he doesn't, we're not going to be rooted in the love of Christ. We're going to be rooted in the rudiments of this world. We know the simple saying, what comes in goes out. Right? What we draw the source of our life from is who we are. 
That's roots. That's their job. And your roots are working. Let me tell you, I don't care whether you're the greatest sinner that's ever ever lived or the greatest saint that's ever lived. And chances are, every one of us is far below those extremes. We're just somewhere in between. But everything we do, it comes from somewhere, something. Now, this is just the first part. You don't get to the good stuff in this prayer until you get past this point right here. And so, this morning, the first question you must ask is, my eternity, my hope for eternity, my relationship with God, is it built on the firm foundation of the words of this book? Or upon the traditions of man? Am I looking only to Christ and His love, to God who is love? Or am I trying somehow to work out a deal with God that He would think that I'm acceptable enough or good enough that He would take me? I promise you the second one never works, never will work, never has worked. Because it blasphemes the work that Jesus did on the cross. God could not possibly let you into heaven by your own good works without saying what Jesus did on the cross wasn't sufficient. God will never, ever do that. Because the only truth is only the works of Jesus on the cross are sufficient to take care of our sins. Are we still together on that? And rooting is a process. Some of you ought to, maybe we ought to make a bunch of clippings here and just give everybody one, take it home, put it in a jar, and uh, get some of the rootings from this little plant up here that has grown all these years. Listen. Rooting takes time. It takes effort. But whose effort is it? The Holy Spirit of God. He's the one that's going to strengthen you with might in the inner man. When Christ lives in your heart by faith, guess what? He got there by your obedience to the words of this book. That's what faith is. And the more obedience to God you give, the greater place and presence Jesus has in our life. And so the question is, what are my roots in? What am I rooted in? And I think every one of us could say today, Holy Spirit, grab those hedge trimmers. And apply them to the roots of my life that I may be rooted in love. Could we say amen to that? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer. And Lord, we ask that those amens would not simply be because I asked for them. But Lord, that they would be honest and sincere. As much as in us is, 
that we could be strengthened with might by the Holy Spirit of God in the inner man. That Christ would dwell in us, in our hearts by faith. Lord, this is what Paul prayed for. And Lord, we certainly can't move on until we've dealt with this. We ask, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would have freedom to make us willful listeners. That you would impart to us knowledge that will change the way we walk through this coming week. Lord, that you would remove those roots that are attached to the things of this world. And that you would firmly attach them to the love of Christ. Let us draw upon that love. And Lord, as we walk through this week and are tempted to say things and be things that would not reflect that love, that source of life that we're supposed to be drawing from, that we would surrender even now and ask that the Holy Spirit would be there to remind us and that we would be attuned to His voice. That we would submit to the might of the Holy Spirit of God. To the faith that is in this book called the Bible. We ask You to work in our lives that, Lord, we may truly bring glory to You. In Jesus' name. Amen. As Andrew comes and leads the hymn of invitation, let's stand together. If you need to come and pray, the altar is open. If you want someone to pray with you, just look this way as you come. If you're here today without Christ and you'd like someone to deal with you about your soul, would you just, again, look this way as you come forward. Let's join these as we sing.